Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing, don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Curitiba, Brazil and earned a business degree from Dantasio Gutulio Vargas University and a Master of Divinity from Regent College. Since 2017, she's been the Director of Revive Europe and Evangelism Coordinator for IFES, International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. And since 2019, she's been a board member of the Zusan Movement. A terrific servant of the Most High God, her name, Sarah Brua. And I'm Jack Rasul, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 W. I'm Jack Prisula, this is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to the director of Revive Europe, a most extraordinary young lady, Sarah Brewer. Sarah, welcome, an honor to have you. Delighted to be here, Jack, thank you. Can we start by you offering us an opening prayer this evening? Absolutely. Jesus, we love you with all our hearts. Father, we ask that wherever we are this very moment, would you use this time to uh, feed our souls uh, and meet us, even as we talk right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Sarah, let's go back to your childhood. Curitiba, Brazil, Southern Brazil, two million people. Talk about your childhood and your mom and your dad, please. Absolutely. I was born and raised in south of Brazil. I was raised in south of Brazil, Curitiba, and I had the honor of my parents being Christian. So I was, uh, you know, raised as a Christian girl and went to summer camps. And God really used those summer camps to really speak to my heart in powerful ways, even as a young girl. Your dad was a Christian businessman. What's the biggest thing you learned from dad? And what's the biggest thing you learned from mom? Yes, the biggest thing I learned from that is that he really carries uh, the calling of being a Christian businessman as being as ambassadors of Christ in the business world. He takes uh, that calling really seriously, not only uh, in, in his company, his team, his employees, also his colleagues, and he's quite um, you know, encouraging to other Christian men in Brazil, businessmen in Brazil. Uh, the biggest uh, thing I take from, from my mom and for, for her mom, my mother-in-law, is just the importance of uh, prayer <laughs> and the importance of Holy Spirit. I would never, uh, I will ever be so grateful from the spiritual heritage that I received from both of my parents. As we mentioned, you're from Southern Brazil. Talk to us about Brazil, which is the fifth largest country in the world, and it's 215 million people. Yes, Brazil for many years, as many of us know, received missionaries from all over the world, many from North America, many from Europe. And it is interesting that in the last decades, God is uh, growing and maturing the Brazilian church to become a missionary sending force. <laughs> so now missionaries from Brazil are going uh, for uh, uh, Europe, Africa, Asia, many other places. So it is now uh, from everywhere to everywhere in the missions world, and Brazil is a good example of that. Um, Brazil has produced a lot of phenomenal soccer players, and up until 14, you were an aspiring ballerina, but at age 12, you went to a Christian camp. Something happened. 
it changed your life. Sarah, what happened? It really did. I was 12 years old and in this camp, at the end of the camp, they have this bonfire service. So you can picture 100 children in this bonfire service. And they told the story of this little girl that went off as a cross-cultural missionary to India. And Jesus used that evening to speak to me. Even though I was only 12, at the end of the evening, they asked if would anyone here would be willing to lay down their lives for cross-cultural missions. And uh, I knew that God was speaking to me, so I went to the front, and it was a covenant that I made before God of serving Him cross-culturally, and that lever really left me after. All right, you attended Fundatio Catolio Vargas University. I butchered that, but yeah. it's just AFGU. Um, arguably the best university in all of South America for business. Mm -hmm. Talk about those college years. Yeah, so uh, as I was so inspired by my dad being a businessman, he encouraged me uh, to study business and get prepared as best as I can. So um, yeah, just study hard and by God's grace, <laughs> was really privileged to enter into that university, uh, Fundação Getúlio Vargas in, in Brazil. And in those four years, I uh, studied business and really, um, he really enjoyed the business world and my friends and getting into studying finance and marketing and human resources and all of it. And those were shaping formation years for me. What makes that university so special? Hmm. So yeah, it is not a big university. They have only 1,600 students, but it's um, they have a quite uh, rigorous selection process. And um, so it's, it's hard to get in. And then in the university itself, they really have high standards. Um, yeah, I think among Latin America, it's it's been known as being uh, very good to uh, people that graduate from that university. They thrive in business. Some of them thrived in uh, also the government in uh, uh, international politics. So it's quite a unique place as well to to see growing national leaders as my friends and colleagues in those university years. We're talking to Sarah Bruel. She ends all of her correspondence with all for King Jesus. All right, Sarah, after college, you're interviewed by Unilever, fabulous organization. I think there were 6,000 people being interviewed for just a few positions. You become a finalist. What happened? Yeah, so as I graduated, it was one of the dream jobs of our friends to work at Unilever, it's this multinational company. Uh, they do products like uh, Dove, uh, the soap and shampoo and others. And they had uh, a training program. It was a program that they would select uh, uh, the future leaders of the organization that for three years they would invest in them, uh, sometimes send them uh, to internationally and then come back to lead the organization. They had actually 30,000 applicants and they were selecting 30. So it was a quite rigorous process. And as I was going through it, uh, I got to the, the, to the final 60 and I was headed into the, my very final interview. And I, I knew that that interview uh, could determine, you know, the, the next years of my life. And I remember that little girl <laughs> that who was 12 years old and said yes to cross-cultural missions in the camp. And I had a sense that Jesus was just coming close to me as a friend and say, hey, Sarah, if you want to choose to be a businesswoman, I will bless you. I had the example of my father. I knew I could fully go into that calling. Uh, but I was also sensing he was saying, would you trust me of what I have for you? And that calling as you were 12 years old was zero. So I went to the interview and, uh, you know, after some questions, they asked me straight, uh, what is your dream? <laughs> and I took a deep breath and just had a prayer. And I knew the way that I would answer that question would determine the trajectory of my life. And I just shared with them, you, you know, I happened to be a Christian. And as a little girl, um, I just felt called to cross-cultural missions. 
Um, so for me, in that moment, my specific yes to Jesus <laughs> meant a no for that particular path. It was a quite defining moment for me. Well then, that's soon thereafter, a young man by the name of Rene asked you for your hand and you said yes to him. When we come back, we'll talk about how the two of you moved from Southern Brazil. And I'm Jack Rasula and this is Anything Is Possible on 760 WGI. Welcome back to Anything Is Possible. I'm Jack Pasula. This is Anything Is Possible, and we're with Sarah Bruel. All right, you meet Renee. You get married, and the two of you move from southern Brazil, halfway around the world, to Vancouver, Canada. Why? In 2006. Yeah. Yes. So it was so interesting that I actually met Rene in that same business school. <laughs> and Rene had his calling as a teenager to serve as a pastor. And God just put us together in the middle of the wake uh, as we path across uh, our, our paths in this business school. Uh, so we got to know each other, share our saying, you know, we served as, uh, just as a group in that university to speak about Jesus to our friends and shared our love for mission and for Jesus. Uh, so when we both graduated from business, left our jobs back in Brazil and moved to Canada for three years to study theology, again, we just wanted to get as best prepared as we can uh, so we, uh, our love for Jesus uh, could be combined with just uh, the best uh, education that we could uh, try to uh, provide. And you received the Master of Divinity from Regent in those three years. And then the two of you packed the bags again halfway across the world to Rome, Italy. I believe in 2012. Why? Yes. So we were very open. We were uh, just asking with all our hearts, Jesus, where do you want us to go? And, uh, and we were open to go anywhere. And there was a missions conference in Brazil in 2006. And one of the speakers of that mission conference was a person, uh, his name is Lindsay Brown. He was leading student ministry all over the world. And we went to have a coffee with him just to hear his advice. And we said our journey to him. And he stopped us, looked us in the eyes and just said, hey, have you two ever considered serving in Italy? And we were like, why do you ask? And he shared more about the need specifically in Rome as well for both uh, student uh, work with university students and also for, for churches in the city. And that was a seed that got planted in our hearts. And in a three, a two year discernment process, uh, just God gave us really peace. There was not a calling only for my husband or wholly for myself, but both of us felt really called to, to serve in Rome, Italy. And we've been there 12 years now. All right. You and Renee then planted a church in Rome called Hopira. Why that name? Yes, opera. The, the word opera uh, means handiworks, and it, it's from that verse in Ephesians. We are God's handiwork. Uh, so uh, it was just a name uh, that, that we gave as a, as a declaration that God was the one doing that work, doing that opera uh, in the city. All right. December 2nd, 2016. God woke you up in the middle of the night. What did he tell you, Sarah? He really did, Jack. You know, I think every every one of us, they, we have those two, three moments in our lives, don't we? That we, uh, there are experiences that mark us forever. And that, that are experiences that we carry with our journey with God. And that was uh, one of them for me. Uh, I happened to be in Oxford. And in the middle of the night, between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., he woke me up in the middle of the night. That haven't happened before or after. 
but it was I was a period that I have been in a sabbatical, just really longing to hear his voice. And I had received uh, uh, an invitation to serve uh, uh, leading the European Evangelism Conference for IFES Europe, that student works, the equivalent of InterVarsity in Europe, kind of an Urbana, uh, like Urbana Bishops Conference, but in Europe. And that, uh, when he woke me up in the middle of the night, uh, God just spoke to my soul, and I haven't been the same. You know, that those one moments, one word from, from God's mouth, it's enough to anchor our calling for years. So I'll never forget uh, that experience, that encounter, and it's been carrying me for the last uh, five to six years now. If there's a listener tonight that says, boy, God speaks to this lady often, um, God never speaks to me, what would you say to that person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, in this conversation, we're just highlighting the highlights. You know, most of my day life, it's like everybody else, you know, it's just, uh, uh, ordinary life and the uh, just reading God's word and in prayer like everybody else and most of the days as I read God's word it feed me one week after I don't exactly remember precisely what I read but it fed me anyway right <laughs> so I would say just honor the ordinary or they honor the ordinary of day-to-day of setting time aside to to read and to pray and in that ordinary sometimes uh, um, you know, there are two words for time in, in Greek. One is chronos, that is like just time. And then there's kairos. Kairos means almost like an ordained time. As we honor God in the chronos in our daily lives, every now and then he does give kairos moments. He, go, he does give extraordinary moments that he, he speaks to us. So I would just say, honor your chronos. Let's uh, continue to journey in friendship with God. And sometimes as we're hungry to hear his voice, he's faithful uh, to speak and give direction as we ask as well. All right. Since 2017, you've been the evangelism coordinator of IFES, International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. Tell us about IFES. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, it's like an umbrella organization from 160 uh, nations that do uh, that work with university students. In the U.S., it's called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. In um, Canada, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. In, in, in the U.K., it's called UCCF. So they all have different names. They're very indigenous. Uh, and the goal is to have students uh, just be witness of Jesus uh, in the university to their friends and uh, share Jesus with their friends and be an ambassador of Christ in that uh, university world. As an outgrowth of that, you learned of something called Revive Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about Revive Europe. Thank you for asking, Jack. So after God woke me up in Oxford, that was uh, something that marked me. But what I wasn't expecting in the following two months, after a deep journey of forgiveness that he led me to, I was free. (laughs) I was free like never before. And to my surprise, Jack, I had a fresh hunger, a fresh hunger to be in God's presence, to spend time in worship, in the word and in prayer, and specifically to pray for revival in the student generation in Europe. Uh, Let me just give a parenthesis that I had actually no particular interest in revival or no knowledge about revival itself. But it was almost like God hijacked my prayer life. (laughs) And that's all I could pray for, to see God move uh, in the student generation in Europe. And um, uh, later found out that what I was experiencing is called personal revival. When we first long for more of Jesus in our lives uh, and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to my surprise, talking with friends, I, I started to find out that there were several peers and friends of mine that had similar experiences in those months 
people being woken up in the middle of the night. Others felt called to pray for moves of God in uh, among students in Europe. And it was uh, it was so much so that we got to a point and started to wonder, could it be that God is calling us to pursue revival in the student generation in Europe? Long story short, after three years, we gather over 3,000 students from 78 nations for a five-day gathering called Revive Europe, uh, asking God to revive our hearts, revive our universities, and revive Europe. If you want to learn more, www.reviveeurope.org. We're talking to Sarah Bruel. Sarah, I quote you now. Whatever he asks, say yes to Jesus. Really? Yeah. It's so simple, isn't it? Uh, uh, the more that we say yes to Jesus, he honored the posture of our hearts. He honored uh, just this uh, posture of seeing, giving a fully surrendered heart to him. Uh, just a simple, here I am, send me, here I am, send me. And I've been finding in my life, it was just one little step after one little step of, of just saying, Jesus, whatever you ask, I have a life commitment of saying yes to you. And at times, Jack, it were small steps, at times were big ones, and at times it had been very costly. <laughs> Some of the yeses, um, there are costs that nobody knows except Jesus and maybe my husband, but um, it is worth it, isn't it? Jesus gave it all to us, and in that place of friendship and following our Savior, He tells us that following Him, take up your cross and follow me. And it does have a cost, but I couldn't imagine living another life in a simple abandoned yes to Jesus. We're talking to Sarah Bruel, and I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rasula, this is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to the director of Revive Europe, Sarah Bruel. If you want to learn more, www.reviveeurope.org. In 2019, you wrote an article, November. I quote you. A wave of secularism has swept over Europe and its universities in the last decades, reducing God to a small corner for those who not, are not intelligent enough. But God cannot be contained into a corner. He's big enough to move even if the hostile academic environment in Europe is against it. Do you really think you can beat them, Sarah? I don't actually, Jack, but I do think that there's a God that can. You know, the giants of Europe seem enormous. The giants of secularization, uh, the giants of, uh, especially in the academic world, as, I, as you just quoted that, uh, of people being, oh, you're a Christian? That maybe means you're not intelligent enough. These and the giants of all these these recent waves of uh, modernism and postmodernism, they can be overwhelming. But I stand in that story of uh, the spies in the promised land that is told in Numbers 13. God sent 12 spies in the promised land. 10 of them saw the giants and say they are too big. And I, I can see people look at Christianity in Europe and say the giants are too big. But there were two of them. Caleb and Joshua, that believed that God was bigger than the giants and that God could do, could really go ahead of them in the promised land. So I believe that as we are in this posture of asking God to move, He is not done with Europe yet. He can visit in this place of repentance and prayer. He can visit our continent again in Jesus' name. Your next big event of Revive Europe 
is at the end of December, December 28th through January 22nd at the end of this year. What are you expecting? You're gonna have 100 people, 200 people, what do you think? Yes, we are so excited because after our first edition of Revive Europe, the pandemic broke out right after, a month and a half after only. So during the pandemic, we didn't know how to you know, continue, but the participants kept writing us and say, let's keep going and keep praying for revival in the student generation. So we put together online prayer meetings. We didn't know how many would show up, maybe 10, 20. We had 350 students coming to pray for revival, asking God for mercy in Europe. And we continued to steward our meetings, another of 350. Recently for the Ukraine war, we gathered 500 students online to pray uh, for Europe. So we're just trying to steward this movement of what God is doing. And at the end of the year, we have our second edition. Uh, now with seven months to go, uh, we have already people from 90 nations registered and uh, 1,500 students are already registered. So we are expecting between three to 4,000 students, but more than the number of students, we are expecting just as we search God in prayer and repentance and dive in His Word and uh, have these times of prayer and, you know, being equipped for evangelism, that Jesus will fill us. And as we are filled with Him, we'll be filled with the boldness of sharing Him brightly in the university. You want to learn more at www.reviveeurope. Speaking of being filled, Sarah, mm. you are a terrific servant of the Most High God. For most of us, God is the spare tire of our life. We hear the word cancer, fentanyl. Uh, I'm divorcing you. You're fired. We jump in that trunk. We get that spare tire out. We start cutting promises and deals with God. And then that disaster goes away and that tire is back in the trunk. Once in a while, I meet somebody where God is the steering wheel of their life. Sarah, that's you. Um, and every one of those people, they get the short end of the stick, but they have a terrific piece about themselves and yourself. Why is that? We can go um, through our lives and it, it, is, it is something so fleeing, is it? What we have in this world. We have what, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. Uh, I, I just remind myself, don't, uh, don't make any um, mistake about it. There is a great God in heaven, our creator. He is real and as close to us as the air we breathe. And he's worthy of our ultimate devotion. And to fix our eyes to what is uh, what he, the story that he's writing for eternity. And to live our lives, yes, all for King Jesus, as you, as you mentioned before. And as we, we make God uh, bigger in our hearts, <laughs> we live this life that is worthy of him. We can make anything big in our lives. We can make ourselves big or our projects big or our dream big. But as we make uh, God the first one, his kingdom the first one, our devotion to Jesus, the more precious thing that we can steward in our hearts. This is the kind of life that is pleasing to our God. And each one of us is called to steward. If there's a listener tonight that says, wow, this young lady is special. I don't think you're even 40 years old. All right. Um, Sarah. How do I learn to trust God like you trust God? Jesus, uh, it's like any other relationship. We build trust and we build friendship. 
why do I trust my husband? Did I, when he got to know each other, did he ask to marry me in the first week? No, he didn't. We spent a lot of time together and I could see and build this trust in him. It is the same thing with Jesus, like any other relationships to, you know, have time with Jesus. And as we build this history with God, whatever he asks, say yes. And then you see that God comes through. And when God comes through, it gives you this God confidence that it's nothing like it. And you take the next step and he, he asks something, you say yes, and then you see God come through again. And it's this God confidence that is building this trust. So I would just encourage for any of us, Jesus just wants that. He just wants closeness, intimacy, friendship. And from that place, as we give our abandon, yes, our great God comes through. He's worthy of our trust. And we can be uh, just more and more increasing God confidence in our lives. And our trust is just as increased as any uh, any decision that we make for him. Speaking of Jesus, there's this undertaking called The Chosen that has spread, I think, 250 million people in the world. China, Middle East, everywhere. It's spreading like crazy, young people. And it shows Jesus as a real person. Sense of humor gets mad. The, the 12 disciples that he picked are misfits. They, they hate each other. They're, okay, all the flaws in the world. Talk about this Jesus that you know so well. Oh, thank you for bringing up The Chosen, Jack. I love that show. I've watched many, many times. And the thing that I love the most about it is exactly what you said. It shows his humanity. It's not this person, you know, far uh, from us. It's, it's a human being, but full of passion, full of compassion, full of power. That's the Jesus I know. And uh, just in that friendship with Jesus, uh, just daily falling in love with him. And, you know, it's not complicated. We can complicate Christianity and put a lot of things. It's just, you know, friendship, intimacy and trusting him and letting us be loved by him and love him. And as we give him this pleasing offering of our lives, uh, that place of closeness and, and friendship becomes, becomes a, a, a source of everything else. John 15 says, you know, from this abiding place that can only we can only do fruit from uh, this uh, abiding me uh, and, and I will give you eternal fruit. And it's the same with us at this place of friendship and intimacy. God can use us nothing for us, but because of his glory, we can do things that it's not human produce, but it is that God uh, himself uh, can do through us. When we come back, we're going to talk to Sarah Bruel about the Lasson movement that Billy Graham helped form almost 50 years ago. And we're talking to Sarah Bruel, who knows, not only believes, knows, quote, we have a faithful God. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Krizula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, 
anything is possible. Spohom. I'm Jack Grisola. This is Anything Is Possible. We're talking to Cyril Bruel. And we're going to move on now to the little song movement that Billy Graham helped form in 1974. Sarah, talk about the Luzon movement, please. Yeah, so the history of the Luzon movement, as Billy Graham was traveling across the world, he loved meeting, uh, you know, Christian leaders. And he also thought it's not only a laugh that he would know these Christian leaders, but it would be amazing if these Christian leaders would know each other and in our friendship uh, also collaborate uh, to God's Great Commission. So the first Congress uh, was um, hosted by Billy Graham and John Stott in, in Lausanne, Switzerland in 74. And uh, just a desire for uh, longing for the church to come together for uh, working towards world evangelization. And out of that was birth a movement uh, that has had a second um, uh, gathering in 89 in Manila, a third gathering in 2010 in Cape Town, Africa, and a fourth exciting coming gathering in 2024 in South Korea. I'm actually doing this interview here from New York as we're planning for this gathering in South Korea in two years. All right. Um, if you want to learn more about that, www.lason.com. L-A-U-S-A-N-N-E dot org. If someone wanted to go in 2024 to Seoul, South Korea, what would the conference, what would they find, Sarah? Yeah, I think the thing I love the most about the Luzon movement is to get a taste of the global church. Uh, so we have, you know, in, in these conferences, you really meet uh, leaders from all over Africa, in Asia, in Europe, in Latin America. And you see that we have a global God through times of worship and prayer and Bible exposition. We see that maybe God is like this diamond that we, in our culture, we see maybe one part of this diamond, that, but there are still new layers and new depths and new um, uh, just uh, faces of God that we see him through other cultures. Uh, so looking to the global church and thinking together how we can stand together as a global church to fulfill our great commission, uh, it's something quite uh, unique uh, in the Lausanne movement. All right. America has 330 million people. 25% of them are millennials. 80 million 18 to 35-year-old young people. Tell us about the millennials. It's a coming generation, isn't it? Uh, it's interesting that we see in the story of Scripture that God doesn't transfer His faithfulness from one generation to the another. Each generation has an invitation <laughs> if they want to follow this God. Uh, so uh, as we go from one generation to another, it's a, it's a renewed calling for this generation to you know, continue to have God at his center and, and, and experience his faithfulness. So in this millennial generation, we want to see, and we want to see this new generation rising that is fully given to Jesus and to uh, in his first uh, love and first uh, commandment to love one another and others and also his great commission. We're talking to Sarah Bruel, S-A-R-A-H-B-R-E-U-E-L. Sarah, you've been around these young people your whole life. What have these young people from all over the world taught Sarah Brewer? Mm, thank you. I think this, uh, this uh, specific this generation coming, it's amazing how much they care about uh, different causes, right? We see it is the generation of Black Lives Matter. It is the generation of, you know, all of uh, the environmental crisis. It's a generation that wants to be part of something bigger. 
And uh, in this, I think uh, we as Christians have just a unique opportunity uh, to, uh, to have them uh, in the biggest cause of all, which is the kingdom of God. And it's a generation that wants to be part of transformation and want to be part of this bigger story and wants to you know, sacrifice their lives as well. Um, uh, many of them to a bigger cause and uh, we can uh, you know invite them for the cause of the kingdom the cause of King Jesus you are a terrific servant of the most high God and God uses oft times the least likely to do his greatest work Sarah why is that we never know who uh, who God uh, would you know look and choose but I, I'm encouraged by first uh, Samuel 16 uh, it is just the story of the prophet Samuel coming to Bethlehem uh, in choosing this shepherd boy David out of nowhere. Not even his father David thought he was worthy uh, of, of, of anointing for kingship. He didn't even invite his son to the anointing ceremony to kingship. But God, and it's the secret that is said in that chapter, God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. So God is searching from all around the world, people just as simple as that, that will have a heart fully surrendered to him. And wherever he can find that heart that would say yes to anything uh, he asks, it's a place that he can trust to, to have his rest and he can trust to, to, to not only uh, use him, but walk closely and see God, God use. So I'm, uh, uh, we're always, uh, just uh, surprise and amaze of uh, God choosing just the most humble and ordinary people, but with a simple heart given to Jesus. God has put each of us here on earth right today, specifically in these crazy times. We each have a role. There's so much depression, um, lack of you know hope. Talk to us, Sarah, about hope. Hmm. Good, good question. Uh, I'm often driven uh, to the bigger story that God is writing. You know, when we watch movies like The Lord of the Rings or Narnia or others, uh, when Frodo and Sam are suffering through Mordor and going through things, we're like, is this ever going to end? But you watch, even if you know the end of the story, <laughs> that they are going to destroy that ring. It keeps you going, that there's a hope at the end. Well, Jesus gave us the end of the story. We know that he's building this glorious new Jerusalem where all people uh, that love and follow him would be him forever and reign with him. Uh, this is where history is headed. And we can be part of this greater story, even in the midst of our suffering now. God can walk alongside us in this place as we build this greater story alongside with him and partner with him to build uh, his kingdom in the new Jerusalem, not only then, but uh, heaven on earth in our age as well. If there's a parent tonight listening that's struggling to raise their child in a Christian way against this cultural tsunami that we're facing, what would you say to that parent tonight, Sarah? Mm. I would say I think uh, children they look the most also in our in our very lives right uh, so as in our lives we try our best to follow Jesus they will look at us and also be as intentional as possible to to just bring alongside your children into your own journey with Jesus into your own times of, of reading the word and, and prayer and going to church and those very things and um, God 
hears our prayers. My heart goes out to moms out there and to fathers out there who are faithfully praying to God. And I pray and stand with you at this very moment that God will hear our prayers, that he will soften hearts of children to also uh, give a commitment, a real and genuine commitment to our Savior. All right. Speaking of prayer, you, Sarah Bruel, believe that prayer is the most powerful force on earth. Really? Mm. Well, God is the most powerful source on earth, isn't he? And as we connect with our Gary God, it's not in our efforts, but we, we have, you know, in this place of community and friendship, God can use it to do the things that we can do in our own strength. So prayers in self is just connection uh, to this amazing, faithful, uh, close, powerful God that can hear our prayers and that can do things that we cannot do in our own strength. As our time winds down tonight, would you lead us, Sarah, in a closing prayer? please. Absolutely. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you are faithful and closest friend. And I ask you with all my heart, and I know you are listening to this prayer this very moment, that wherever each of one is listening to this, Father, would you refresh our relationship with you, Father? And as we carry our daily burdens, Jesus, would you be our faithful friend that give us strength to the challenges that we are, Father? And give us the grace, Jesus, of saying yes to you, to whatever you ask. We pray this in Jesus' name, for your glory and for your honor. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we pray also for Sarah, Renee, and their two sons, that they keep adoring you and being terrific soldiers for you. This we pray. Amen. Sarah, spectacular. Amazing. Such a privilege. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Prasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spawn. Believe in yourself.